Heavenly Father, once again we thank you that the sun is coming out. We thank you for this um, time where we can get together and see from the scripture if what we believe truly is biblical. I pray that the teaching element of the Holy Spirit may truly be here with us to guide us into all truth. Protect us from being deceived. Quicken our minds that we may be able to grasp truth. And as we go through the rest of this class, I just, I pray that your name may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so quick review. What is a prophet? It's a spokesperson for God, right? Um, When it comes to modes of operation, what seems to be God's preferred way? Through the prophetic ministry. Who remembers the hierarchy of how the message actually comes to the prophet? It goes from... To, 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 to the church. Why, why would the Bible refer to the prophetic ministry as the testimony of Jesus? Because it is the testimony of Jesus, right? They're just sharing his testimony. And so, um, let's move on now. We've done C there. Um, Jesus himself speaks through prophets. We've seen that, right? D, the prophetic gift was employed with what? Written word. Jump with me to 2 Peter. Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter, what chapter? One. We'll be reading verse twenty and twenty-one. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of what is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of what? Spoke as they were moved with what? This word moved in the Greek. I haven't taken Greek theology or something like that. Kind of just a layman doing something, trying to seek from the authority. And um, the word is pharaoh or pero or something like that. And it truly, it, it, the true meaning is driven. What is it? Driven. So these men, it says, were driven by the Holy Ghost. What were they? Jump with me to Acts. The book of Acts. Acts. um, Let's do chapter 27. Acts chapter 27 and we'll be reading verse 17 and 27. What chapter? 27. All right, 17. Let's read. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, um, the ship, and fearing lest they should run around the Sirtis sands, (laughs) they struck sail and were what? And so were driven. What were they driven by? 
the wind, right? How many of you have ever been sailing before? I've gone once, but not on one of these big fancy ones. When I was Bible working in Sydney, our um, uh, the evangelist, local evangelist over there in Sydney, he's got this little sailboat. I'm not kidding. Maybe it's like this long. And it's got this big sail thing. So I, I'm, I'm literally sitting in there like kind of like this, you know. And I have no idea what I'm doing. So he's there too. So there's these two pretty big guys crammed in this little thing. And we're like out there and we're trying to look for wind. We can't get it. So he's doing his thing. I'm just like, how does he know what he's doing? He's just pulling a bunch of different ropes and we're actually going somewhere. You know, it's kind of cool. And he's doing it. He's doing it. And suddenly this wind just comes. Whoo. That thing picked up so much speed and there's nothing we could do. And then suddenly we just started leaning a little too much. And we're leaning and boom. And we tip over and there's nothing we could do. You know, when the wind kind of pushes something, there's only so much that you can do. Do you know what I mean? You have to play within the rules of the wind. When that wind drove us, <laughs> kind of flipped us over, I was like, oh, okay, well, let's swim back to shore. He's like, what are you talking about? We're going to flip this thing back. So somehow we got it back up and then I swam to shore. <laughs> um, this word driven, being driven by the wind, is the exact same Greek word as was used in First Peter for moved, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Just for us to get a concept of how they were driven. Let's go to verse 27 real quick. Comes a bit of bad weather in verse 27. Now when the what? Fourteenth night had come. As we were what? Driven how? Up and down in the Adriatic Sea. About midnight the sailors sensed that they were drawn near some land. How many of you have ever been deep sea fishing or just gone out deep sea and hit some swell? Oh, it's, it's not fun. You know, I, I love being in the boat around the Bay Area doing what you got to do. But when you get out there and you just got this motion, yeah, there's nothing you can do. The water, it, up and down. It, the Bible says it drove them up and down, up and doesn't matter how much weight you put in that boat <laughs> you're going up <laughs> you know my family we're kind of big we just go up and down up and down that word driven up and down that's the exact same word in the greek that was used for moved so the way that these prophets were inspired to write these things it says the holy spirit moved them it drove them um, it is important to know, note, um, actually I'm jumping ahead of myself. The spirit moved or drove, this is under A, yet men spoke. Note the experience of any, oh uh, yeah, I haven't done that. This is awesome. Check this out. Let's get a bit of context here. This is where it gets powerful for me. When I hear testimonies of men who are prophets, okay? Listen to this. Let's start in verse, we'll go to 1 Peter again. James, 1 Peter. Let's start in verse 16, okay? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. 
We're going to read the two verses we just read, but let's get it in context now, okay? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. For we, what? Did not follow what? 1 Peter. Oh, uh, I confused you all and myself. 2 Peter. 2 Peter. People are like, what? How are we going to read that? We've never read that before. Uh, yeah. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting verse 16. For we did not follow what? Cunningly. Cunningly devised fables. How many of you believe that though, right now? How many of you truly believe that you're not deceived? Well, even if you are deceived, you you'd put your hand up because you don't know. <laughs> That's the point of being deceived. All right. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables. Praise God for that. Amen. Amen. When we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But were what? Of what? Of his majesty. They saw him. How many of you have ever just, just kind of, you know, Lord, why couldn't I have been there? You know, see you. You know, if you saw this, could you be shaken? You'd like to think that you can't. I would at least. They're like, we're eyewitnesses of His majesty. Check this out in verse 17. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when what? Such a voice came to Him from the excellent glory. What did He say? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When did God say this? Sorry? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The baptism. They were there when Christ got baptized and they heard. They audibly heard God. You know, I'm coveting a little bit, but the Bible says covet good things. Yeah. Imagine just hearing God. You see Jesus get baptized and you hear God say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You've seen his majesty. You've seen his glory and you hear God confirm that this is true. And then listen to what they say. These men who saw and heard this in verse 18. And we heard his voice when he came from heaven, when we were with him on the holy mountain. What mountain's that? Holy. This is the Mount of Transfiguration, okay? So, we have the prophetic word, New King James says, confirmed. I love the way the King James says it. Who's got a King James? Can you please read that for us? We also, excuse me, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Listen to that. We have a more sure word of prophecy. The whole thing is, we're not deceived. We haven't believed cunningly devised fables. Why? Because we saw Him. We heard Him. But above all of our experience, we have a more sure word of prophecy. These guys saw Jesus. They heard Him. Yet they counted the prophetic writings of higher authority to their faith than their own experience. See, the Bible writers understood that their senses can deceive them. 
We all understand that our feelings, our experience can deceive us. We can deceive ourselves, but we can be rest assured that God's word will never trick us. And they say, we have a more sure word of prophecy. It goes on to say, um, which you do well to heed as light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns in the morning, uh, pardon me, and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing first that no prophecy came by the will of man. This, when the Holy Spirit moved, it drove so much so that it's more reliable to trust in the testimony of Jesus or the writings of the prophets than it is my own experience. How many of you believe that we ought to put God's word above what I feel? Amen. You know, this is really important. I'm taking a slight side note here. The way the Bible describes the end of time for the faithful, it's going to be such a battle with me and my senses and my head and the faith which I have within me. Everything is going to be telling me it's too late. It, you're lame, Boris. Quit. You're lost. And there's nothing that can change about it. Probation's closed. You're done. God's no longer with you. Everything. My eyes are going to be telling me this. My ears, my, my, my senses are going to be telling me quit. My experience will be telling me God's not with you anymore. Yet despite when it feels like there's nothing to hold, I need to, by faith, hold on to Christ still. Because the Bible tells me to do that. Not because I feel that it's the right thing to do, but because the Word of God tells me to do that. Think about Christ on the cross. Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? All he senses, everything that's going on is God has left me. Yet, when it felt like there's no reason, there's no hope, there's no way that he can cling to Christ, God still, he's still held on to God. His senses would have been telling him, get off that stupid tree. What am I going through this pain for? Yet, because of the steps and the victories, uh, just because the victories that he has every day, consistent growth throughout his whole life. When it came to that crunch point, his faith was able to be stronger than his experience. You following that? And the apostles here are saying, we've experienced it, but we have something that's more sure. And that's the word of God. We read A. The spirit moved or drove, yet men spoke. Note, the experience of any eyewitness account is not sufficient to outweigh the words of the prophets. You grasping that? And think about it. We know, the scriptures have told us in the end of time, who's going to be doing crazy miracles? Satan, yeah? The false prophets. If we're relying on our experience rather than the Word of God, God have mercy on us. God have mercy on us. Our faith ought to be in the Word of God alone. As Ellen White says, not 
because of the blessings, not because of fear. We ought to believe in the Word of God on its own merits, just based on the fact that it is truth. Just because it's true. Too often we accept the Word of God because, hey, maybe there's these blessings in store. Or maybe we accept the Word of God because, hey, I don't want to burn in hell. But we ought to accept the Word of God just plainly because it's true. And think about it. It's not until you have that mindset that this is truth that we can become martyrs for Christ. I'm serious. How many of you get in these petty debates with your friends? It's seriously about nothing. But you know you're right. Like you know your truth. You, you know it. You'll be there for hours. Just be like, no, no way, no. And it could be like 20 of your friends and you're the only one. And you're like, no chance. This is what it is. I know it. No, let's Google it. You, you'll stand up for it because you know it's truth. And that's why it's important for us to be grounded in Scripture, for us to know that it's true because nothing will be able to sway us then. This is truth, period. Error, get out of the way. Jump with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter what? 26. Let's read verse 56. Matthew 26, verse 56, it says, But all this was done, that the scriptures of what? The prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. The scriptures of who? The prophets. What you hold in your hand is the writings of prophets. This is the prophets' writings. You know, often when we say, and the spirit of prophecy says, we're referring to Ellen White's writings, yeah? But that's just because that's kind of the title that's been attached to it. The spirit of prophecy, the prophetic ministry, is in the Old Testament all the way through to the New. And post Testaments, if I can put it that way. Ooh, it's 10.30. We've got to move. Um, it is important to note that the Holy Spirit inspired the Scriptures. And we cannot understand these things unless... What? We cannot understand these spiritually discerned things without the Holy Spirit's aid, right? Yet He has chosen to aid through the spiritual gifts which He, has distribu- uh, which he distributes... As he wills. Um, you know, the Bible speaks about people who are forever studying Scripture and never coming to truth. It says that there are people who are studying, studying, studying Scripture, but never coming to an understanding of truth. <laughs> I think to myself, I'm like, how can this be? You know, the Lord kind of revealed stuff to me within the first three months. If the Holy Spirit doesn't teach us, we're done. We're stuck on learning Hebrew and Greek. We're stuck on learning hermeneutics. 
We're stuck on learning nature of inspiration. We're stuck on learning different theological matters and always, or never should I say, coming to an understanding of truth. I don't mean to be disrespectful here. I believe that this church needs scholars. Can I get an amen? amen? We need scholars. And I don't like going to youth conferences where they say, oh, well, you don't need, we don't need scholars there, this and that, this and that. Well, first of all, you don't know who they are. <laughs> like, I'm not God. I don't know who people are. I know for a fact that the Lord has called some people to be scholars. But he's also called some people to be Peter, who aren't scholars. But this is what I want to say. In the Bible, we have two, in the New Testament, we have two major, powerful men of God, Peter and Paul. One is a scholar and one's not. Paul was, Peter wasn't. Never in Scripture do we see Paul getting more credit than Peter. You following? And never in Scripture does Peter get more credit than Paul. Too often we give too much credit to scholars. And it's like, well, Professor this and that said, well, that's okay, but what does the Bible say? You know, David Ashwick doesn't have a degree. And often we say, yeah, but David A said, okay, well, David A did say that, but what does the Bible say? It doesn't matter what your background is or what your training is, let's confirm it with the authority, yeah? And too often we give credit, too much influence to scholars, I believe, because we have millions of scholars out there and only a handful who have truth, right? So truly, how much can the just based alone that you're a scholar be? You know, there are thousands of scholars out there who are completely lost about whatever they think. Our authority, we ought to test everyone and everything to scriptures. Don't get me wrong. Scholars, we need them. And there are scholars that do come to truth and they bring out powerful things because they can spend all day studying where I can't. And I praise God for them. If it wasn't for them, they've helped me out in a lot of situations. And I'm sure Peter and Paul helped each other out as well. Let's just work as one unit. Amen. You know what I mean? There's not one better than the other. We just need to be a team. Moving on. Different types of prophets. There are literary, canonical prophets. What kind of prophets? Literary, literary canonical. What do they mean? They wrote the literary prophets and they are included in the canon of Scripture. Canonical. Okay. What are some examples of these kind of prophets? Moses. Moses, First five books in the Bible. Anyone else? Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel. There are prophets who wrote and are included in the Bible, right? Now there are literary prophets, literary non-canonical prophets. Um, Jump with me to... Chronicles chapter 9. Sorry, yeah, 2 Chronicles. Chapter 9. 
and verse 29. We touched a bit on the book of Nathan at the beginning, right? Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 29 says, Now the rest of the acts of who? Solomon, first and last, are not, uh, pardon me, are they not what? Written in the book of Nathan, the prophet, and the prophecy of Ahijah, and the Shilonite, and the visions of Ido, the seer, concerning Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. The book of what? Nathan. There are true prophets in Scripture who wrote books that are not included in Scripture. Does that make them false prophets? A lot of people out there have the mindset if they're not included in Scripture, like if the prophet is not written, they're, they're not legit. However, the Bible is very clear. Now, as I mentioned again, if the original, the authentic book of Nathan was found, would that be included in Scripture? No. Would it be recognized as an inspired piece of work? Most definitely. That's kind of the way we ought to use, uh, refer to Ellen White's writings. No, they are not the Bible. Not They're not an extension to the Bible. But they are inspired of God. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, and then we have non-literary, non-canonical prophets. What are some examples of them? This is prophets who didn't write and who aren't included in Scripture. Or we have no record that they wrote. Uh, Enoch is one. Um, we have Gad, Elisha, Agabus. What about the greatest prophet? John, John the Baptist, right? How many books did he write? Does that mean he's less of a prophet? No. At least not according to Jesus. There's a lot of people out there who don't know that females can be prophets too. Uh, we do evangelistic meetings and then we come to this topic of the spirit of prophecy and we kind of present. And a lot of people are like, a woman can't be a prophet. So, well, why? <laughs> like, in the Bible they are. We have... We have um, Miriam, Deborah, Isaiah's wife, Philip's four daughters, these were all prophets. Um, just because they're a female doesn't discredit them from being a prophet. The Lord can use both sexes. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Um, and some were contemporaries. What were they? Contemporaries. contemporaries. What does that mean? Yeah, they served at the same time. We've got one minute. And then we'll wrap this up. They served at the same time. For example, Moses, Miriam, Isaiah, and Micah were all in this... Uh, pardon me, Moses and Miriam were prophets at the same time. Um, jump with me really quick to Daniel chapter 9. This to me is absolutely powerful and humbling. Because I had issues with Ellen White. Because, like I said, I was brought up Adventist, but never heard of her. So, of course, I'm going to be super duper skeptical of it all, right? And by the way, we're counseled to be skeptical when testing prophets. Just, you know, don't jump on board on any bandwagon. Daniel chapter 9. Let's start reading in verse 1. Daniel has just received this vision. And he's heard this thing. What? 2300 days? What? And now in, verse, uh, in chapter 1, he goes into prayer. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, what does it say? 
I, Daniel, what? Understood. Understood by the book the numbers of years specified by the what? Through who? Jeremiah the prophets. Now check this out. If you look here, I've wrote it for you. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel were contemporaries. What were they? Daniel here is referring to the prophet who? And it says, I understood what the Lord gave Jeremiah. Just based on the fact that they're contemporaries, do you know what that means? Jeremiah was not a part of canon. Jeremiah was not a part of the official scriptures. However, Daniel saw fit to be studying Jeremiah's writings. Do you see that? Daniel and Jeremiah... Jeremiah was not included in the cat, like, was not official. He was a contemporary with Daniel. But Daniel still saw fit to, to study and understand because obviously he knew he was. And if we test someone and we see that they do apply and they do fit into the biblical, biblical um, framework, if I put it that way, we too ought to be reading and understanding what they have to say. You know, God, God does not give us prophets because He's got nothing better to do. You following that? He doesn't give us a prophet because, uh, well, He doesn't have any, uh, let, let me give them a prophet. <laughs> no, it's because we need this stuff. Man. Daniel needed to know how long they're going to be captive in, uh, in Babylon. God needed him to know. God doesn't give us a prophet for us not to know what they said. Now, we've learned that they are a mouthpiece for God. What are they? His spokespeople. God speaks His will to the prophets to speak to us. You following? Don't you think it's important for us to give God a chance? Yeah, I've seen it. To give God a chance and to actually know and understand what He has given us? Now think about this very carefully now. We're going to get into this in another class. However, when a prophet speaks, what are they speaking? The testimony of Jesus. It's really Jesus. Remember in Matthew said, the Lord speaks through the prophets. So it's really the Lord speaking, right? Now say I reject or choose not to read, or choose not to understand the writing of Jeremiah. Am I rejecting Jeremiah? No. Who am I rejecting? Jesus. Because it is His message. It's not Jeremiah's. You following? This is where it gets real. There are books in Scripture that I know, and a lot of it has to do with I just haven't had enough time yet, that I haven't just scraped up to know what God's will for my life is. I'm trying working through them. I haven't got through all of it yet. But if I choose not to, I'm not choosing not to read Malachi. I'm choosing not to read what Jesus' testimony is. Old Testament, New Testament, and Post-Testament. If the Bible, and we're going to get into this 
next class. If the Bible's made it clear that there's a prophet coming in a certain time frame, and it does give us a time frame. Scriptures are very plain. We'll get into it. It gives us a time frame. God is saying, hey, I'm going to be revealing more of myself to you. If we see this, and then we choose not to find who the real prophet is there, are we truly maybe trying or not trying to find out who Jesus really is? Do do, do, do you know what I'm saying? Because we see that it's not their message. It is the testimony of Jesus, right? So it comes down to, do I want to understand Jesus better? You know, how many here want to say, yes, I want to understand Jesus better. And by that, and to do that, I will read the writing of the prophets, the scriptures, to understand what God has for me. Raise your hand if you want to do that. Let's have a word of prayer to wrap up. Our Heavenly Father, not enough thanks or appreciation can be said or given to express how thankful we are for the prophets, that you have used them and written things in a way that we can all understand what your desire for our life is. And just like Daniel thought that it is important and saw that it was important to read and understand the writings of Jeremiah so that he may know what your will is. I pray that each and every one of us, that you put it on our hearts so that we may have this desire to understand and to read what your will for our life is. Father, we may reject Paul. But let us know that if we do so, we're not rejecting Paul. We're rejecting you. And I pray that each and every soul in this room, including myself, that we may never reject you, any part of you, Lord. But like the song says, Lord, please give me Jesus. This is our heartfelt prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.